0: appreciate you guys hey Genesis chapter 7 in your Bible if you're a guest of ours we've been going through a message series and we're kind of in the middle of it but it's really on the real story of Noah so not the Russell Crowe story but the biblical story and as we've gone through it together we've learned a ton of things already concerning the times one thing that we learned together is that we uh, see Noah living in a crossbone kind of culture this is a culture that was a keep God out kind of culture It was one of the darkest times in the history of all times. And not only this, whenever we look at this crossbone culture, we're reminded that God was holding on to a tug-of-war rope. And he made a decision to actually, in 120 years, promise that he would let go of the rope and that many people would actually receive wrath. And then we see in the context of this great dark time where God promises wrath, That Noah was a man who every single day would strap on his sandals and walk with the Lord by faith it's a beautiful picture and last year or last year how about last week y'all with me you can tell I've been here a long time but last week we actually studied how you and I should emulate Noah Noah was an individual who was in tune with God we actually had a radio to remind us of that it was an image of a radio It was this idea that Noah was in communication with God. There was no static between him and the Lord, no white noise. And so as he spoke with God and God spoke with him, he was very quick to obey and to follow hard after him. And then not only was Noah a man who was in tune with God, but we find that Noah was fearless before men. We gave you the image of a lion's face. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1 tells us that the righteous are as bold as a lion. And Noah was a man who not only for 120 years was building an ark, but the Bible tells us that he was also a man who for 120 years was preaching righteousness. So individuals, you can imagine how many opportunities he had. They would come and see him building that massive ark out in the middle of the desert, and they'd say, what are you doing? And he would share the message of God's judgment upon the earth and encourage them to help him build the ark. But nobody ever listened. But then we discovered that Noah, although was fearless before men and rejected by men, Noah was a man who, like a compass, always points true north. He was seeking to lead his family in the ways of the Lord. And ultimately, he would lead his family right into the ark, just as you and I in the New Testament are called to lead our families to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see so many great truths in the life of Noah. But this morning we're going to talk about uh, what typically people don't talk about when it comes to the real story of Noah. We're actually going to talk about the flood. We're going to talk about the wrath of God. Now, I figured since it was Mother's Day, we'd hit the wrath of God. Y'all with me on that? It's like my mama's always bringing it, all right? So this is for you, mama. You took this. I looked in the camera real hard. But anyway. Happy Mother's Day, y'all still with me? I don't know why I just did all that. I think I'm tired and hungry, and I just get delirious when that happens. But we're going to talk specifically about the wrath of God. Now, here's the thing. I grew up in church. Many of you probably did as well, and you were in Sunday school like I was, and maybe your Sunday school teacher used the same thing that mine did. They had a felt board, and whenever they would talk about Noah and the flood, they would take this felt ark and they would put it on the board they would take this felt imagery of Moses who looked like Santa Claus smiling with a staff in his hand place him in the ark and then off the front of the ark there were two giraffes that they would place on there and they would tell the story and all the animals and the birds of the sky and then you would see this great uh, rainbow that was placed on that felt board with the sun in the sky and the great clouds and man it was just such a happy story in fact some people actually decorate their nurseries like this whenever they're having new children So they'll have a child, they'll say, let's just paint the room with Noah's Ark images. And they'll put the animals everywhere, and they'll put the Ark in the same smiley, happy Moses and the giraffes. All of that is similar. However, when you and I come to Genesis chapter 7, we see a totally different picture. In fact, let me kind of explain to you this morning. I don't know if you've ever heard of Michelangelo. uh, Not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, all right? Michelangelo the painter. In the year 1500... Michelangelo was actually invited to come and paint the Sistine Chapel. The Sistine Chapel was found in Vatican City and in the roof he was actually painting a panoramic portrait of the Genesis story. And it's phenomenal. I had the opportunity to see that this past week online. And I, I didn't want you to think I went to the Vatican City but online. But there was a picture of Noah's Ark, a picture of the flood but the title of the frame was the deluge that word literally means the severe torrential downpour now as i looked at that picture it was completely different than felt board it was completely different than children's nurseries it gives us a stronger image a more accurate image in fact in the background noah was there standing on the ark he was only a shadowy figure you could barely pick him out but you knew that it was him surrounding the ark more shadowy figures who are grabbing hold to the side of the ark, scratching and clawing, seeking to get on the boat. Then as you move to the middle of the picture, you actually see some men who are working tirelessly, seeking to put together some sort of floating device. But as you look at it, it's extremely clear that that device is not going to hold up in the midst of this great storm. And then on the very front of the painting, what really catches my attention there's a father who is carrying on his shoulders his already perished son. And then to the left of the picture, there is an image of a mother carrying her child as her, along with many others, are seeking to run to find higher ground. And as we look at that image, it gives us a stronger portrait, I believe, a more biblical portrait of what the flood, the deluge, actually look like. So this morning in Genesis chapter 7 we're going to read specifically about the flood. So stand with me in honor of God's word if you will this morning. Genesis chapter 7, you've got your Bibles there, say yes. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household. For you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female, of animals that are not clean, two, a male and his female, also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him and so Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth and then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood of the clean animals and the animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground there went into the ark to Noah by twos male and female as God had commanded Noah and came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open. And the floodgates of the sky were open. And the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. And on the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind. And all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind and every bird after its kind all sorts of birds so they went into the ark to Noah by twos of all flesh in which was the breath of life and those that entered male and female of all flesh entered as God had commanded him and the Lord closed the door behind him then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days the water increased it lifted up the ark so that it rose above the earth The water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. The water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. The water prevailed 15 cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts, and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all mankind, and all that was on dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. Thus he blotted out everything that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and the birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left together with those that were with him in the ark. And the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. Let's bow together. Father, what a great privilege we have to look at the true story of Noah. Now speak to our hearts and draw people to yourself this morning, and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. So you guys go ahead and be seated. Really, only two things that I want to share with you this morning concerning uh, the wrath of God. The first thing that I want you to know is that the wrath of God is actually a scheduled event in history. The wrath of God is a scheduled event in history. So as we look at Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9 we actually discover that the Lord himself promised that in 120 years a flood was going to come now the reason I want you to see this as a scheduled event in history is because I don't want you to think when you read Genesis chapter 7 that the Lord just lost his temper that he blew his top that he flew off the handle the Lord is not like you and I he is not controlled by his emotions when you think about your life and my life many of us have anger issues i remember growing up that i had anger issues when i played basketball and baseball and I was so competitive right so when i was in high school if we were losing i was losing my temper before you know it i'd start punching things y'all all right with that punching people y'all okay with that we were so competitive and sometimes when i would just fly off the handle and used to when i would read about the story of noah i would think that's what god did That God just flew off the handle, that he went absolutely crazy in Genesis chapter 7. But that's not the case. The Bible tells you and I that it was a scheduled event in history. In fact, see if you can pick up on some of the scheduling here. Chapter 7 and verse 4. After they had entered the ark, the Bible says, After seven more days, God promises, I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Chapter 7 and verse 12, the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Chapter 7 and verse 24, the waters flooded the earth 150 days. So without any shadow of a doubt, the wrath of God was a scheduled event where his just wrath would be released upon an earth that had absolutely rejected him. Now in order for us to grab hold of this, I need you to go with me to those days for a moment. We've got a mother, we've got a father, we've got a 15-year-old son, we've got a 12-year-old daughter. They grew up in the times of Noah. They even heard the message of Noah where Noah would say, listen, repent. The wrath of God is coming. Pick up a hammer. Help me build. They heard the message. And one evening they got together for supper. They were sitting there eating supper when all of a sudden the subject of Noah came up. And the father looks at the mother and says, yes, he's absolutely crazy. He is still out there. It's been, what, Ma, 119 years he's been out there building and preaching. When is he ever going to give it up? Then the mom looks at the father and says, I'll tell you this much. If you ever wake up in the middle of the night and tell me that God's speaking to you, you go ahead and pack your bags and leave. I'll think you've lost it. A 12-year-old son unbeknownst to them our daughter rather is over sitting at the end of the table She has covered up her meal with her napkin and then she gives the big reveal mom dad Look at this and she pulls it up and she has fashioned all of her food into that of animals two by two I'm Noah look at me look at me and they all laugh and carry on And The 15-year-old son is carrying on right along with them. They go to bed that night The next morning, unbeknownst to them, there was a scheduled event on God's calendar. But they get up for their normal day. The dad grabs the oxen, goes out and begins to plow at the ground. The son, he heads out to take the cattle to be watered. The 12-year-old girl, she picks up the pitcher of water, runs to the well where she can fill it up and bring it back to the house where her mother is, preparing the bread for the next meal. And then all of a sudden, something happened that they had never seen before on the face of the earth began to grow extremely dark in the sky the Sun was covered up with clouds the Sun that normally would peek through the canopy of water that surrounded the globe could no longer be seen storm clouds began to arise it became extremely dark and they began immediately to rush home and you can imagine them there meeting right there in the front door looking at one another saying what is happening and all eyes turn to the Father Father says, I have no clue what's going on right now. I have never seen something like this before. Let's at least stay right here and keep our eyes on it. And you can see all four of them, can't you? Looking up into the sky, trying to figure out what's happening. When then all of a sudden, the first drop from heaven came. And it landed squarely on the mother's face. As soon as she wipes it off of her nose, they look to the ground and all of a sudden they begin to see the water rising up around their ankles and around their knees. For the Bible says that the earth would actually give up its water. So water would come from underneath and it would come up rapidly. Then the Bible says that the heavens would actually open up and water would come down as well. And it's almost as if the waters are clapping right on the people. You can see them panicking, looking at one another, what should we do, what should we do? And the father says, yeah, let's head towards the ark. And so they begin to run with every fiber of their being, but the water is rapidly rising so much so. And all of a sudden, this massive tsunami comes through, and it knocks the 12-year-old girl over with her mother, and they disappear into the distance. The father and son are the only ones left. They are locking arms. They're trying their best to get to the ark. It's way off in the distance and there are tons of people, thousands in fact, who are already there trying their best to get on. They're dog paddling at this time and you know how this is. You begin to lose your strength. You begin to lose your vitality. You don't think you can go on any longer when all of a sudden another wave comes and sweeps the father away son, 15 years old, he's the only one left. He's pedaling with all that he has. He's trying to keep his head above water, but the water is too fierce. The flood is too great. He knows that if he goes down one more time, he will meet his doom. So he takes a view of the landscape once again, and there he sees them. Carcasses floating all around his body. Men and women, teenagers face down, face up, having already drowned, meeting a watery grave, it's losing all strength. And finally, he gives up, he plunges beneath the surface, inhales, and at the moment of time when he inhales, his lungs fill up with gallons of water, and he meets his doom. It was a scheduled event in history. 120 years, and it is coming. You know, there's another scheduled event in history where the wrath of God met the earth. Not do we just find it in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8, and 9, but also as we look into the Gospels, we begin to see that there's a time frame when the wrath of God would leave heaven and consume a hillside called Calvary. In fact, you remember Jesus, right? They would come to Jesus and be like, Jesus, let's go on out there. And they would try to push Jesus out in front of all the crowds. And Jesus said, no, 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 not yet. And check this out. This is what Jesus always said: My hour has not yet come. Remember reading that? My hour has not yet come. This is a promise that there is a scheduled event in history when his hour would come. And indeed it did. Jesus says in John chapter 12, okay, guys, my hour has come now. My hour is here. And they would take the filleted body of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and begin to nail him to the tree. There on his left hand, his right hand, as well as his feet, blood and sweat and water would flow from his own body as he would hang there. Listen, absorbing the wrath of God in his body. Genesis chapter 7, the Bible says God's wrath hit the earth with water the gospel accounts the Bible teaches us that God's wrath hit his son as Jesus offered himself up as the penalty of our sin you and I deserve to die for our sin but Jesus died in our place it was such a scheduled event that Paul the Apostle writes about it on at least two occasions one of which we hear in the book of Galatians. Listen to this time stamp on the scheduled event of Jesus' coming. He says, but when the, listen to this, set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And then listen to Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. He says, you see, at, and I can see him bearing down with a stylus in his hand, really wanting to emphasize this point At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So it was a scheduled event in history, the flood. It was a scheduled event in history, the cross. But I need you to know something this morning. you got to pay attention closely. The Bible promises that there is another scheduled event in the future of God's wrath. Uh, listen to this verse in the book of Hebrews. It says it like this It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Did you hear this? That's a timestamp. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And when an individual who rejects Jesus Christ and does not trust Jesus Christ as their Savior dies, they will stand before Almighty God and be judged based upon their deeds. am reading a book that I've read many times called One Minute After You Die. It's written by Erwin Lutzer, the pastor of Moody Bible Church in Chicago. Listen to what he says about One Minute After You Die. He writes it, quote, Every person will be resurrected and judged individually. Each day of every life will be analyzed in minute detail. The hidden thoughts and the motives of each hour will be replayed along with all the actions and attitudes. The words spoken in secret will be made public. The intentions of the heart displayed for all to see. They will have no attorney to whom they may appeal. No loopholes by which they can escape. Nothing but bare, indisputable facts. Listen, Jesus spoke about this scheduled event in the future. For those who would reject him, those who would not come to faith in him, for those who would not be his followers, he speaks specifically about what will happen to them. Jesus says that they actually will be tossed into Gehenna. Gehenna is a Greek term that we translate in our English vocabulary to mean hell or Hades. The place of the dead. Gehenna was a very well-known term in Jewish culture. If you lived inside the city gates of Jerusalem, you knew exactly where Gehenna was. It was just outside the city gates. Gehenna was the town dump. It's where you'd take all of your garbage and you would throw it over the fence at the town dump. You would take all the refuse of your home and throw it over the fence at the town dump. And the unique thing about the dump is that there was a fire there that never, ever was quenched. It continued to burn. It's a place where the worm does not die. And when Jesus spoke about the wrath that was to come, Jesus used Gehenna to describe it. He says, whenever you die without trusting me, you will be judged based upon your deeds, and you will be cast into Gehenna, into hell, a place of torment, a place... Great agony. You know the tragic reality. I want you to listen close Look at me, eyeball, to eyeball. Tragic reality in the story I te- shared with you a moment ago, the 15-year-old boy who uh, breathed his last breath under water would have went to a place where he would beg for water. The Bible says in Luke 16 that those who are in hell beg for one drop of water. Oh, it's true, without a doubt. Uh, Sir, if you don't turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and you breathe your last breath, you will find yourself begging for water in hell. Ma'am, if you don't turn to Jesus Christ and even if you die of cancer, you will find yourself begging for water. The teenager who inexplicably dies in a tragic accident without Christ will beg for water. The young child, Who passes away without the Lord Jesus Christ? That young girl, she doesn't know the Lord. Water. 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 It's a scheduled event. In history, the flood came. It's the wrath of God. Scheduled event in history. The cross came. The wrath of God. And there's a scheduled event in the future where some of you, I fear, will meet God and his wrath. Because you still will not choose to follow Jesus Christ Jonathan Edwards gives a great quote concerning the wrath of God he says some may be ready to think that it's incredible that God should bring miseries upon the creature that are so extreme so amazing so eternal and so desperate but the dreadfulness and the extremity of it is no argument against it for those that are damned are entirely lost they are utterly thrown away by God. They suffer for eternity. Scheduled event. Hey, here, here's the deal. Some people will listen to this. They'll be like, yeah, I don't believe that. Look at, look at me eyeball to eyeball. They didn't believe the flood was coming either. They didn't believe Jesus would get up from the dead, but he did. Scheduled event for some of you, and all I'm trying to do is help you, man, and let you know it's happening. appointed so unto man wants to die then the judgment. Now, can I give you all some good news? Say yes. The good news is there is one shelter you can get in. Uh, Noah, chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible says, he, he literally walked upon the ark, he and his whole household. He had one place to get in for salvation. Now, this is interesting. I want you to check this out. I love this part, all right? He actually used pitch, the Bible says in chapter six, to cover the inside and the outside of the ark. Now, pitch is just black tar, so it's like caulking. So they would take the black tar, and you got to think about it, all right? 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, boat, vessel, massive ship. They would take this pitch and cover the entirety of the whole boat inside and out. And the pitch, you got to listen. The pitch that covered the boat would actually keep the water from coming in, so the pitch would make the boat water-tight. But let me add something: the pitch actually helped make the boat wrath-tight. In the same way, water couldn't get in and consume Noah and his family, neither could the wrath of God. It's a covering. Now, can I give y'all some awesome news? The Bible says that when you turn from your sin and you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what happens to you? God, he covers you inside and out with the pitch of his son's blood, Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing. And the Bible says, and I love it, right? Because we think of being sealed in the ark of the Old Testament. The Bible says that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, that you are sealed. Till the day of redemption When you trust Jesus Christ You become wrath tight What a great truth Have you come to the one shelter The one who says I am the way, the truth, and the life No man comes to God the Father But by me Have you been covered inside and out By the blood of Jesus Check this out When you come to him, the scheduled event on his calendar for you is actually erased. The day that was appointed for you to receive wrath is taken away because of Christ. You're given a new destination. You're given a brand new calendar. (laughs) That's why Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, y'all calm down. I'm going to heaven. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If it were not true, I would have told you. But I'm going and I'm building upon my Father's house. And and when it's time, I'm going to come back and get you. What what is Jesus doing? Jesus is telling his disciples the new schedule, the new appointment. Have you had that? There is a scheduled event of God's wrath. And there is one shelter, and it's Jesus. Now I want you to imagine. It's been pretty heavy this morning. Y'all still with me say yeah? I want you to imagine that you lived in the times of Noah. Could you imagine if you ran a shop right outside of Noah's Ark called the Poncho and Umbrella Shop? Right? Y'all with me on that? So you'd be like this, right? I bought some I brought some stuff right here. I got ponchos, I got umbrellas, I got umbrellas with Elmo on them. Y'all listening? So you can imagine, right? They'd be like, "Get a get a Elmo umbrella for your children, five bucks." Which is a little steep, I think. But anyway, get a get a poncho. These are five dollars at Dollar General for real. But, they, but get a poncho, cover yourself up, man. I hear there's rain coming, and so they'd sell them uh, left and right. Could you imagine? As soon as the rain came, if you owned the poncho and umbrella shop, they would have swarmed you like crazy. But let's be for real. Y'all look at them. you think this thing right here. Poncho, It's even got a hoodie on it. Y'all with me on that? You think this poncho with a hoodie is going to help somebody when the flood comes? Here's what I fear. I fear people who come to church here every Sunday. And I fear people in our community are walking around with ponchos and umbrellas when the wrath of God is just about to come to them. Say, ponchos and umbrellas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, y- y- there are people, when they die and they stand before God, and God's like, why should I let you into heaven? They're going to say, well, I've been baptized. That's a poncho. And say, well, wait, wait a minute. Uh, God, I-, I went to church all my life. I've been involved in church ever since I was a little kid. That's an umbrella. Umbrellas and ponchos will not save you when the wrath of God comes for your life. You don't need a poncho or an umbrella. You need Christ. Pitched inside and out, covered by the blood. And when the wrath comes, in the same way the ark was risen to the top to miss the wrath of God, so you will be brought up in Christ and totally miss out on his wrath. Why would you look to Christ and say, nah, I'll be all right with these ponchos? You and I, when we walk through the community, and you go to work tomorrow, and you go to your house today, there are people inside the place where you live, and the place where you work, and the place where you recreate, who listen, who are wearing ponchos, and if we're not careful as a church, we'll pat them on the back while they're on the way to hell. Instead of saying, take off the poncho, come to Christ. Can I tell you all, Philippians chapter 3, Paul the Apostle, you know what he does? He lines up all of his ponchos and his umbrellas. How's it Jew a Jew? From the tribe of Benjamin, according to the Pharisees, I was a Hebrew. I was the greatest. According to the law, I was without blame. You know what he's doing? He's just lining up his wardrobe. Look at this poncho. Look at this poncho. Look at this umbrella. Look at this umbrella. He's lining up. And there, here's what he says. But in comparison to knowing Christ, all of this rubbish, not trusting in that Trusting in Christ. Who are you trusting in? It's a scheduled event of God's wrath. There is one shelter, and it's Jesus. And some of you need to come before the time is up. let bow. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Help us now.